Welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries podcast, where we strive to provide great preaching and teaching so that listeners will discover or rediscover the goodness, truth, and beauty of our Catholic faith. If you are interested in supporting the work we are doing, visit us at drybonespgh.org or follow us on social media at drybonespgh. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you are inspired, uplifted, and encouraged. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries special podcast series on the Litany of Trust. My name is Father Adam Potter, and grateful to be with you for day six, where we enter into the petition from the rebellion against childlike dependency on you. Deliver me, Jesus. This is a great one, and I uh, can't wait to dive into it with you, just to maybe check to see where, where you're at and and all of this, um, yeah, it's coming up on a, a week going through it. For those of you who are listening live, tomorrow is going to be a kind of a, a pause, a, a day off, and there will be a new one released on Sunday, and that's an opportunity for you to, um, yeah, catch up or take a break, um, kind of do some extra reading. I do understand and appreciate it can be a lot to to do the reading and to do the listening and especially as I want to encourage you, it's the time of prayer to be able to take these things before the Lord. Uh, there's a great invitation to prayer at the end of this section that I can't wait to invite you all to, including myself, just to really uh, come before the the Father and to receive that goodness of who He is and His love for us. So, um, yeah, also want to just yeah give a word of an encouragement to keep going. I think there's a, a lot here. I was talking to someone that I respect a lot, and he was describing something that resonated with my heart about trust and wanted to share it with you. And the the insight is the importance to this integration of trust, the integration where on the one hand, there can be a, a real ease in prayer and in our hearts to say, yes, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. And to kind of go through these readings, to listen to the podcast, to say the the litany. Um, And that's great kind of in this spiritual side of us. And then all of a sudden we get to our real life out in the world with in relationships. And we have these incredible opportunities of frustration, of setback, of unclarity, of difficulty. And we're like, ah, where are you, Lord? Like, what the heck? And um, then we just kind of maybe put our heads down or we go our own ways. And these, right, this is the opportunity for integration that especially in those moments, we might be able to live out the trust. Jesus, I trust in you. Like right now in this moment of uncertainty. Um, I'm going to give you an example. I want to preface this example by saying sometimes I realize I can maybe I can maybe give forth some examples as if like, yeah, there was this difficulty and then I said this prayer and then everything's good. And that's not the way the Lord usually works. This is, um, I don't know, a, a way to communicate a, a difficult topic. But oftentimes the way the Lord works in my life is long and slow and arduous. And it's not because of him. It's because I need to really learn the, the point. But anyway, uh, just a couple weeks ago, I was going to an event. Um, I do a, a weekly Bible study at my parish here at Mary Mother of God. And I was so 
frustrated because I just couldn't find this tripod to be able to hold my phone so that I can make it available for people to, to zoom in. And I was looking all over my rectory and then I was looking all over my office in the church and I just couldn't find it anywhere. And then it was getting time. I was out running around. Um, yeah, I forget what I was doing, maybe communion calls or something. And I got to this point again where I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this Bible study without this tripod. And I started to really freak out and think, gosh, yeah, maybe I'll just go through and look through my entire rectory again, the entire office again, and I'll go through the church, all like all these places, right, that I've already looked and scoured. And it's like, it's not there. It's not there. And that would have made me late. That would have made me like flustered coming in and not be able to, to do an effective job. And I finally just had this like, oh, wait, what if I just trust? <laughs> like, I'm just going to go to the to the church social hall where I do the Bible study and trust that the Lord will work it out. And I didn't know what that meant. I was like, I don't know, maybe someone will hold it for the whole time and or I'll find like some obscure way to prop it up. I didn't know, but I was like, all right, Lord, I trust in you. And I make the, the drive to this church, to the social hall. Uh, everyone's there. I'm just a couple minutes early. And there, right in front of the podium that I usually use, is my tripod. <laughs> right where I left it last week. And I was like, Lord, thank you uh, for all the different ways that I just was so tempted to freak out and kind of go my own way. And here the Lord's just reminding me, uh, this retreat is also for me too. It's for me too. And all the, the little ways that can be boiled down to a two minute story like that and the, the large ways too. Um, so hopefully that's an encouragement for you just to, to keep going and into believing. And these little opportunities of trusting in the Lord are what allows it to be integrated, our prayer to be integrated into our, our life, and then our life to come back and to be integrated into our, our prayer, to be able to go back and tell the Lord about it and relate it to him so that we can uh, go deeper with him. So let's talk about this petition today. This incredible petition from the rebellion against childlike dependency on you, deliver me, Jesus. This is one of the most incredible, profound petitions as it gets to the very heart, the very core of our relationship with God. In the beautiful way that a child is brought into this world in a dependent relationship on its parents, especially the mother, right? To be able to receive that nourishment, to receive that protection, to receive the care, the cleaning, the feeding, the everything, even just the, the sign of affection from the smiling face of the mother or the father, right? Like all those things are a relationship of dependence. This is the way that you and I are called to look upon our God as being good, as being loving, as being faithful, as being always present as children who love to hope that their parents are always there. And if they wake up from a nap and they don't see their, their mom, uh, they just cry and cry and cry. I remember uh, one new mother was telling me about just how hard it was um, at different points to just like be sacrificing these different nights of sleep. And um, yeah, the, her baby just waking up throughout the night. But then she said, you know, it's been ridiculous because you get up in the middle of the night and you go to the 
to your baby crying in the other room, these like tears, these tantrums just of horror, right? Like, where is my mother? And then to come come in and those tears, crocodile tears are just like instantly turned into cheers, like absolute cheers, like, yes, you are the greatest. And then her heart melts again and like picks up her beautiful baby girl. And it's like, oh yeah, so worth it. Anyway, we get like that too of... um yeah, maybe not the, the crocodile tears as soon as we don't see where God is. But we're called to this dependency on the Lord, on our God, in a way that is so grounded in a trust in his goodness. I think one of the most incredible insights of um, the catechism is found in, in this chapter. And it goes to really get at the heart of Adam and Eve's original sin and the lingering effects that go up and down salvation history to affect you and me. And it goes right back to the idea of Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden, giving, given everything by God out of his goodness, out of his love, out of his generosity, out of his desire. Imagine, right? Our heavenly father creating everything out of nothing so that we can know who he is through the goodness of creation, through the joy of relationship and through the surprise of the amazing beauty of creation, right? Like our God just desired to spoil us with the beauty of creation and nature. And here Adam and Eve are given everything they could ever desire, but they are given limits. This limit that is built into creation, You are not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, else you will die. And it seems arbitrary, but built into our relationship with God, with creation, is that there's limits that we might learn to depend on God, to trust in him. And in the midst of this this border, this limitation, there is the temptation from the serpent, from the devil, planting this seed of doubt. Did God really tell you that you aren't to eat of the, right? That little seed that just places, what's the doubt in? Well, the the doubt is maybe sounds, first of all, like a, a doubt in the reasonableness of the logic of it, but ultimately it's a seed of doubting the goodness of our heavenly father. Pope John Paul II will, will say that, that this original sin is really grounded in a lack of trust in God's Uh, goodness of the heavenly father but he gets that from the catechism here's um to quote it in full this catechism paragraph 397 man tempted by the devil let his trust in his creator die in his heart and abusing his freedom disobeyed god's command all subsequent sin would be disobedience toward god and lack of trust in his goodness And as Sister Faustina says after that, it's not an unfamiliar story to a single soul. Amen, right? How true, right? That every single sin after Adam and Eve, first of all, disobeying, do not eat of that fruit. And also what? Not trusting in his goodness. That Lord, I would trust that you would give me everything that I need. And this limitation, although I can't quite understand it, I can't quite fathom it, it would seem like you would want me to have knowledge of good and evil. And yet maybe in your plan, you do desire to give it to me, but not now. Or maybe this isn't for me or whatever it is that I would actually be able to trust. Um, think about how children are called to trust their parents that 
you're not to touch this stove. It's like, wow, it seems like there could be a lot of goodness that could come from that stove. We could cook beautiful meals and feed a lot of people. It could be great. It could be great. It's like, right, but it's hot. Don't touch. You're like, ah. Every subsequent sin would be disobedience toward God and lack of trust in his goodness. Think about the last time you fell into sin. Uh, maybe you have to go back a long ways, or maybe you're like me, and it's uh, a couple hours. You're like the, like the last time. I don't know, you gave into judgmentalism, or last time that you gave into pride, or the last time you gave into vanity, or the last time you gave into lust, or the last time you gave into gluttony, right? Like, what, what is it? It's not just you shouldn't have eaten beyond your normal capacity. It's that there was a lack of trust in God's goodness that I can actually be satisfied if I eat only what is needed and not to stuff myself. Out of what? Out of a fear that I I won't have enough? I don't know. I think about, um, yeah, a, a lot of sins of anger. There are a lot of people who struggle with this, with the sin of, um, yeah, seeing an injustice and really giving into not just the emotion of, of anger, but, um, but allowing it to foster and to fester into a rage that overwhelms and overflows. And can that be not only a disobedience, do not be, do not give in to anger, but also a lack of trust in his goodness that I see this injustice in the world. And I think that it is based in the fact that God's not ultimately in control, that in the end, there will not be a resolution. There will not be a restitution in God's justice. And so out of that lack of trust in God, I want to then go and fix it myself or just grow in incredible rage because I feel like God doesn't care. He'll, he won't take care of it. And so I try and insert myself. Oh, we're called to trust we're called to trust. What does that look like? What is the fruit? On page 41 on this first full paragraph, Sister Faustina gives really beautiful insights into what childlike dependency looks like. Childlike dependency means being flexible when circumstances change in my day because I know God is in charge. It means genuine delight and the smallest joys, because I know they are a gift from him and are not owed to me. It means a freedom from fear, which allows me to face my limits with every expectation of the Father's blessing. That'd be a great thing for us to take to prayer, those uh, three different categories, so to speak, of one of even just like, am I flexible? Am I open to changing of circumstances? I, I can just tell you, I remember the last time that I thought I was going to have plenty of time driving in traffic and then <laughs> there was like a rush hour or a detour that came up and yeah, my, my reaction was not uh, flexible. I wish it was better. Here's the thing, right? Do I trust that God is in charge? Do I trust that God wants me here, that God will take care of me, that God will give me what I need or do, do I not? And is that a fruit of a lack of trust in his goodness? Or how about just the ability to delight in the smallest joys? I think there are many of us who struggle even to rejoice in in the blessings, these little things that the Lord gives us throughout every single day. 
And meanwhile, we miss it. Why? Perhaps because we're not looking at God, but we're looking at ourselves or we're comparing ourselves to what others have versus what I have. And instead, children are so good because they always have their hearts focused on their parents or their guardians, their caretakers, and they recognize these joys are a gift. How about freedom from fear? Oh, how many people are still just paralyzed with a, a fear, with an anxiety? And here's the thing, there are a lot of different factors to that, but at the very core, do I have undergirding every aspect of my life a trust in the Father that I know even in these limitations of my own health, of the health of others, of the different realities of just a broken world, that I trust in God's goodness, that he will not lead me beyond, beyond what I can handle. Have you ever thought about this petition in the Our Father? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. That could be misunderstood as thinking that our Father pushes us into temptation. So stop, stop leading me into temptation. And it's not the Father who is pushing or leading or forcing us into temptation, but in the way that God the Father has allowed for freedom to exist in this world so that there can be authentic love, there is going to be brokenness, and therefore there is going to be evil and danger and opportunities to be tempted, tested. So when we pray this petition to our Father, we pray, would you not allow me to be exposed to a temptation, to a testing that is beyond my capacity, that would bring me outside of a relationship with you? Right? That petition is grounded in a trust. Lord, I trust you. Father, that you will be with me no matter what comes my way to always give me what I need and not allow me, no matter what the difficulty, no matter what the suffering, to strengthen me, to give me what I need. Sister Faustina says at the end of this section, trust enables us to receive the providential care of God in all things. Yeah, I can receive Whatever God gives me, if it's a trial, if it's a blessing, if it's a change in circumstances, I can receive it because I, I trust in, in God's goodness. I see this in, um, yeah, I have a, a new beautiful little niece that has been an incredible gift to be able to see and observe and just to even appreciate the way that uh, from her mom and from her dad, she receives even punishment She's not happy about it, but even from this punishment, it's not like she's ready to disown her mom or her dad. It's all received, even in knowing that her mom wants what's best for her. Dad has her best in, in mind, in, her, in his heart with everything, and I see that in that childlike dependency of receiving even the corrections in this goodness. So maybe for us to really um, consider... How do we see our Heavenly Father? How do we see Him? Everything comes down to our understanding, our accepting of the Father's goodness and of my relationship to Him. You look at St. Paul, you look at every other saint, you look at uh, all these different heroes that have gone before us. It is all grounded, it is all rooted in their confidence and their knowledge of they are beloved sons, they are beloved daughters of their Heavenly Father. 
And that just frees them to be able to live this life and to pursue and to accept sufferings and trials and also the joys and the blessings. They do it all from this humble position of a beloved son, of a beloved daughter that allows them to live in this joy, in this glorious state. And this is what you and I are called to as well. But we miss it so often whenever we look not to our Heavenly Father first, but to our own strengths, to our own inadequacies, or playing the comparison game of how we're doing compared to others. And the Lord really calls us to receive that from Him, from Him first, that we might live out of this relationship. Uh, One of the ways that God teaches us this is through our own relationships with our own dads and uh, our own moms or guardians, caretakers, those people who've been in authority over us to see their own goodness and to be, to find the freedom in our own hearts. Uh, I've been super blessed by having an incredible dad myself that I just owe so much and more than I could ever possibly like put into words. But uh, one of the things that I remember fondly is um, a way that he really blessed me whenever I was younger, maybe around like 13, 14 years old. And uh, I've always had a hard time falling asleep at night. It's just a time whenever my mind is up and it's racing and it's running and I'm thinking and I'm praying and uh, dreaming and, you know, all these things. And I remember one night my dad came in uh, late at night, found me awake. He was just coming to tuck me in. It's like, Adam, you're still awake. What are you doing? It's like, I can't sleep, Dad. And he just got down next to me on the side of my bed and said, what are you, what are you thinking about? And I just told him about how I couldn't stop thinking about basketball <laughs> and how I just like, I like couldn't get out of my, my mind. It was everything that I was thinking about and I just wanted to be the best that I could be. Um, and I remember him just like, listening to me, right? And I didn't know exactly what that sounded like. I don't know, a 13 year old just totally given over to this passion. And he was able just to really affirm me. And it gave me kind of an insight into what some of the coaches had told him about me and, and said this line. It's like, Adam, I've, I've talked to your coaches. I've seen you play. And I really believe that for you, the sky is the limit. And it kind of went on to, to build me up and it didn't help me fall asleep. I just like got even more excited or whatever. And, you know, like it was that literally true. It was the sky the limit for me? Like probably not. There was definitely a limit on my athletic ability and, you know, athletic potential. And yet I just remember receiving that blessing from my dad. as this 13, 14 year old that he believed in me. And I just remember what that did to my heart of opening it up to be free to pursue it. And here's the thing, right? Not to pursue it in a way that like I had to succeed. I had to excel so that I could receive his love. It was from this position that I knew his love for me was unconditional. Like whether or not I went on to be the next NBA all-star or the next college dropout, like he was going to be there for me to receive me, to listen to me and to encourage me. And just to remind me of my goodness, no matter what, how do we see our Heavenly Father? How do we see our Heavenly Father? And none of us have perfect parents, and yet we're, um, 
And yet they can give us, even in their imperfections, the ways that they really desire to love us for who we are, give us windows into a glimpse of this perfect, unconditional, unwavering love of our Heavenly Father. Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. We need to pray for this childlike dependency, to really depend on our Heavenly Father, because He's good, because He's faithful, He's reliable, He will give us what we need, He will not leave us abandoned, He will not leave us orphaned, He will continue to provide for us, and no matter how we do in this world compared to its standards, in His eyes, we are glorious, we are wonderfully made, precious in His eyes, good, good, as He made us. A lot of things to pray with, but I leave you with the last invitation that Sister Faustino um, offers. She says this, Ask God in prayer to reveal to you his fatherhood. It's a beautiful petition. Ask God to reveal to you his fatherhood. If you were to look at your own life and just to, to look at your own journey through life, through your childhood, through your adolescence, through your vocation or through your older years, whatever, it, however long you've been blessed to be on this, this earth, can you ask God to reveal to you his fatherhood? through those different moments of your life? And then maybe the question, do I desire a renewed sense of what it truly means to be a child? And then where is God inviting me to a greater dependence on him? I love these. So please be generous in your prayer to take those, take those to the Lord to really ask Ask him to reveal himself. Ask him to renew in your heart a greater sense of wanting to know what it means to be a child so that you can live as being a beloved son, as a beloved daughter, to know that he delights in you just as you are. And then to really consider where he's inviting you to a greater dependence on him, not in your own capabilities or your own strengths or your own creativity or your own resources or your own connections, but to depend on him and to give him room to work in your life and to bring you into this uh, glorious relationship that he desires to have with you. With that, let's turn to our good, good father, our good God in prayer, litany of trust. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. From the belief that I have to earn your love, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that I am unlovable, deliver me, Jesus. From the false security that I have what it takes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that trusting you will leave me more destitute, deliver me, Jesus. From all suspicion of your words and promises, deliver me, Jesus. From the rebellion against childlike dependency on you, deliver me, Jesus. From refusals and reluctances in accepting your will, Deliver me, Jesus. From anxiety about the future, deliver me, Jesus. From resentment or excessive preoccupation with the past, deliver me, Jesus. From restless self-seeking in the present moment, deliver me, Jesus. From belief in your love and presence, 
deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being asked to give more than I have, deliver me, Jesus. From the belief that my life has no meaning or worth, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of what love demands, deliver me, Jesus. From discouragement, deliver me, Jesus. That you are continually holding me, sustaining me, loving me. Jesus, I trust in you. That your love goes deeper than my sins and failings and transforms me. Jesus, I trust in you. That not knowing what tomorrow brings is an invitation to lean on you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are with me in my suffering. Jesus, I trust in you. That my suffering united to your own will bear fruit in this life and the next. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will not leave me orphan. That you are present in your church. Jesus, I trust in you. That your plan is better than anything else. Jesus, I trust in you. That you always hear me and in your goodness always respond to me. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me the grace to accept forgiveness and to forgive others. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me all the strength I need for what is asked. Jesus, I trust in you. That my life is a gift. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will teach me to trust you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are my Lord and my God. Jesus, I trust in you. That I am your beloved one. Jesus, I trust in you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode. To learn more about Drybones Ministries, events, and initiatives, and to support this podcast, go to drybonespgh.org. Thanks, and God bless you.